gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea, just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here, and that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life, and heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try, the diamond dogs are here. All right, well, welcome to this week's episode of the Diamond Dogs podcast, where we talk about Ted Lasso and all the things he can teach us about being an exceptional leader. This week's episode is really all about authenticity, which I just, you know, really resonates with both Jason and I. Let's get through the episode recap a little bit, just so we can ground ourselves in what's been happening on the show. Big piece of this episode this time is that Ted is asked to spend spend the day with reporter Trent Krim, who's another one of my favorite characters from the Trent Krim, the independent from the independent. He always says from independent. Uh, And he is, of course, exceptionally skeptical about Ted and what he's doing in his job. And through a series of events and spending the day with Ted, he completely wins over Trent. Trent Krim. All of this is kind of a play from Rebecca to get him some bad press. Like she really wants Trent to hate him and really rip him apart in the article. And the opposite happens. The Krim's write up, which I really love, is ends up becoming yeah. getting called the lasso way, which I, it's just ugh, love everything about yes. that. And um, is really, I think, what compels both of us to the show, you know, like what his authenticity and what he brings to the table are just such a, such a gift to everybody around him. So it, it is so authentically like what you said about the, the recap is, you know, this, the day is meant to win Trent Krim over, which yeah, it is, but that's Ted is Ted is doing that by just being himself, right? Yeah. He's not playing a part. And uh, again, I just think so often times in leadership, we, we play a part that we think we're supposed to play. We put on the clothes that help us play the part. I mean, I I did that for years. I I tell people that I walk the talk. I talk the talk. I dressed the talk, and uh, I think I still have seven or eight suits hanging in my closet, and about twenty ties that I have not worn <laughs> in over five I've years. Ever seen and you in a suit? Don't. So every once in a while, somebody will pull up, uh, I think it's an old uh, LinkedIn picture that's still out there somewhere of me in a suit. And I look like I'm about 12. <laughs> I've and, seen that uh, picture and you yeah, do. Yeah, I do. Like I do. Um, <laughs> trying hard to play the part, you know, and uh, I, I haven't gotten to the place where I'm, that needs to come to see. I mean, I just look at that and I'm like, that's, and I, and I debate sometimes, I don't know if this is you or not, but I debate sometimes when I go into a, to an engagement, like I was, I was meeting late last year with a global leadership team of a very well-known brand that I'm sure almost everybody has in their home. And I'm like, should I wear, you know, do you wear the the business casual, do you the khakis with, and I'm like, I don't even have those shoes. Like I don't have the shoe. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm just going to say it. Fuck this. Like, yeah, I'm showing up in jeans and orange Chuck Taylors and uh, something that's going to allow me to be comfortable um, th- that also reps the brand. And I did. And I felt better, 
Like I would have just felt a little bit like a fish out of water. I would have felt like I was being inauthentic and all that stuff. And, you know, when you look at, at Ted and like the way he dresses, he's got kind of that, that, you know, like he, it's khakis almost all the mm-hmm. time and tennis shoes. Like that's just, that's his deal. That's, and he's not, you know, if you look around the league, there are people who wear suits and people who do different things. And he just, he shows up who he is. And I, I don't think, and I'm sure we'll get into this. Don't think that we can, we can, uh, over exaggerate the importance of authenticity. Yeah, completely agree. Completely we just agree. can't. All right. So let's talk about some of the moments that stood out to us from this episode and, and so many tried. Oh my gosh. There's a ton from this one. Uh, yeah. What's, what's one you want to dig into? I love this, this first one that we have. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so Nate, the great is, is trying to, you know, he doesn't have a lot of self-confidence he Ted asks him something and he reluctantly shares his opinion. And I love what he says. He says, I have a real tricky. He's like, Hey, Nate, I have a real tricky time hearing people that don't believe in themselves. And I just, I, I just so love much. it. And, and it's so and, you, it's something you would say. I, I know. I, the first time I heard that, I'm like, damn, I wish I would have said that first. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. And, and, you know, if you watch the episode, which we would encourage you to do if you haven't, and if you have, go back and watch it again. The difference in Nate's response the first time and the second time when Ted says that is night and day. And to me, that's to us, that's what, that's what a leader needs to do to their people. So that's, that's probably one of my most favorite scenes of all of the scenes is that one. I just love it. I love that one too. What about you? Well, one of the things that I love, I love seeing moments where leaders just do, do the work. And one of the great scenes that, that is in this episode too, is there's uh there's an incident and the team needs to run laps. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ted runs them too. Like he's the one saying we're going to run laps, but he runs them as well. Um, and I just love those. I, I, I find myself just knocked out by like the little moments that you see just him being an exceptional leader. And that's one of those moments. I love it. Yeah. And getting out there and leading by example. And I just, I, you know, as I'm, as I'm looking at our list of things, I'm just reminded of so many times when Ted chooses and he doesn't make big fanfare about it, but he just chooses not to be offended and just continue to do him and be who he is. You know, he gives everybody a book and different people react in different ways. In fact, Jamie throws away the book, right? He's just like, screw this. I'm not doing it. And I, the thing for me that sticks out in that, and I think this is where so many people are kind of, especially at the beginning, they'll just throw it in and go, well, I guess it's not going to work, right? That not everyone will appreciate your style. Do it anyway. anyway. Yeah. I'm not saying be an asshole and go out into the world and be like, well, this is my way. You got to get in my, you know, you got to do it my way. And this is what I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you are truly being authentic to who you are with caring about people at the forefront of that, and like you said, the servant leadership approach, people, not all people are your people, and that's okay. But part of that too, I think, is a is a test to see are you really going to stay true to the things you stay true to? Or is it the, I mean, how many of us have read the book of the month club by the CEO, right? Like, Oh, here's the new, here's the new fad. Here's the thing we're going to do for the next month until, until they read another book or see another speaker (laughs) or go to another conference. And it's not, it's not authentic and congruent with who they are. It's just that it's the flavor of the month. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Ted is just like, nope, this is this is it. This is who I am. And I love that about him. Yeah. Let's talk about the books a little bit because I think this is such a yeah. There, I I find myself always getting really geeked out about shows that are smart, like just such intricate smart and smart. Show. And this is such a smart show because when I started researching these books that he gives out, um, the book that he gives to Roy, they really dig into like. Yeah. You know, they show that one more than the others. Um, so Roy gets given A Wrinkle in Time, which if you've never read, such a great book. And also, if you haven't seen the recent movie that had Oprah and um, who else was in that? Shoot, Mindy Kaling was in it, I think. Oh, really? Um, if you haven't, yeah, if you haven't seen the remake, it's a oh my gosh, it's so, so good. And I think it's on Disney Plus. But in any event, A Wrinkle in Time is really about a young girl who has to basically um, has the burden of leadership and has to do the hard thing. She's just kind of forced into, she's the only one who can do it. She has to do this really hard thing and the parallel. So Ted gave Roy this book with the intention of, of conveying this message of Roy is going to have to be the one who steps, steps up and you see him have this great moment while he's reading the book with his niece. <laughs> and I'm just going to read the quote because it's hilarious. Yes. He goes, he goes, that's it. It has to be me. It can't be anyone else. And then he's in, then he of course uh, shouts fuck. Cause that's what Roy Kent is really all about. Right. And so he, he both gets this, this book from Ted that Ted has clearly very thoughtfully chosen for him and the message gets through, which, you know, this is what any teacher, you know, dreams of, of this moment of epiphany. So I love how deeply um, they show that one, but the other two books that are passed out have equal meaning. So Jamie's book that he throws away is the beautiful and the damned by Fitzgerald. And that book is all about an arrogant, heir who's doomed by his habit of coasting atop and the lucky odds that are given to him. So he's somebody who's just coasting. So I'm sure if Jamie had dug into that book, there might've been some lessons there for him. And then the other book that they show, um, Sam gets given um, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. And I have not read that one, but I was picking my husband's brain this morning because he read that one. Um, and really the message here is about youth being sent into battle, you know, so being mm. young, being trained, but also being really talented and smart and being the person that has to kind of be sent into battle, which over the course of the series, without giving away spoilers, Sam does kind of become kind of this linchpin of the, yeah. the team's successes and failures. So anyway, just really, really smart choices. And um, I love that, you know, even in these moments of, you know, an innocent gift is still really thought out by Ted and he's really trying to connect with them and, and teach them in every single thing that he's doing. I just want to reiterate, and we'll probably do this several times, but seemingly a little thing, yeah, right. Seemingly, this is not a big deal to give books, but you know, like the, the, the candy uh, bowl for you yep. with your boss, it is a thoughtful, right. With that. And what I love about it is that it's not it is future of that person. It's a it's it's the person that that person doesn't see yet that Ted yeah, sees. It's the potential. Right? He sees the potential in the yes. person before the person does. Thank you for saying that Ugh. more succinctly than I could. And it's <laughs> it's just yes, it's so it's so 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 good. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um, and you know there there are some there are some things that follow up in some more of the the lessons that are here. Um, I love the and again my friend Brian Neal says this the first domino right what's the yeah. first domino to fall and there's some bullying that's going on with Nate and Jamie and Ted could jump in and stop it and I think again leaders 
feel like they, because they're leaders, they have to do all the things. Uh, a phrase that I use a lot when I do leadership training is that your no is somebody else's yes. And so Beard, I think actually asked Ted, like, are you going to go do this? And Ted's like, nope. He's like, he's our first domino. And so finding as a leader who that first domino is, um, there's a great TED talk. It's kind of funny, ironic TED and TED talk. There's a great <laughs> TED talk um, around how to start a movement. Oh, it's one of my favorite TED talks yeah. ever. And you know they talk about leaders being the lone nuts. But if you don't have first followers, people that come after you, and we'll put a we'll put a link to this in yeah, the show absolutely. notes, then you're just a lone nut, right? And what I love, if you and I just saw this, I've watched that TED talk multiple times. But what I saw for the first time recently when I sent it out to a team I was working with. As I said, notice that he says that um, eventually the followers will follow the first followers and not the leader. Yeah. And I love the fact that he, that Ted is authentic enough and who he is enough to be okay enough to say, I don't have to be the one doing it. He's- well, and it, it's such another, it's another great example of why ego is never going to work in leadership, because if you're not willing to let that natural dynamic happen and play out, then it, you know, it, it won't ever happen. Right. What else was in there for you, Beth? That you really um, well, I can't, you know, we can't, the, the best part of the scenes with Trent are, um, the very first episode, um, Ted, of course, becomes best friends with his taxi driver from the airport and the, um, taxi driver invites him to his family's restaurant. So he takes Trent to this restaurant and, um, I believe it was an African cuisine restaurant, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I can't recall the, um, maybe Ethiopian. I want to say, yeah, maybe Ethiopian that, that might've been correct. I apologize for not remembering, but in any event, it takes Trent to this restaurant First, remembering the driver, he remembers the driver, he remembers the driver's name. He says he would come to the restaurant. He does that. He takes an important person to this restaurant, which also just really, really cool and authentic. And then um, eats eats the food spicy and it's so spicy that it's painful. And if you've ever eaten really spicy food like that, how he does that, I don't, yeah, I don't even know how he ate what he did. I think the guy brings him seconds and he eats (laughs) Yeah, because he's sure like, he oh, you have a, to have, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he spends a night in misery based on his behavior, but um, I just really, really love that scene. Everything about it. I love when he comes into the restaurant and the guy and this text driver goes, he's like, you came. He's like, and he goes, well, you invited me. And he goes, I invite everybody that's in my cab. But, you know, t- I love that Ted is just like, well, he like he invited me. So I'm I'm going to go. Yeah, I think that that's that's awesome. The other thing that I really appreciate about this episode is, is he asks for ideas and he believes like he asks for people to share ideas and believes that people will do it. And I have a friend yeah. that says, um, it's actually Mike Vacanti who we were talking about earlier. Shout out to Mike yeah. and humans first. If you don't follow Mike Vacanti on the socials, you should and hum- the hashtag of humans first, but he has a, a quote. I don't know if it's his or if he took it, but he says it a lot. He says, given the opportunity, people will surprise you every time. Oh, yeah. And he means, I mean, that could be said in a negative way, like <laughs> surprise you and doing dumb things. But he really believes that that's a, that they will. And so I see so many leaders who are like, well, if I ask that question or if I ask for ideas, then that exposes the fact that I don't know everything. So I can't possibly do that. 
And I would just encourage you, if you're a leader, ask your peeps, ask for ideas, ask for what do you think we should do? This didn't work. How do you think we should, we should do that? And, and if you can shut up, which admittedly I have a hard time doing, (laughs) if you can shut up and listen, it is amazing what people will tell you. It just is. Yeah. Every, every time, every time. The other thing I really love that happens in this episode is something that I always really encourage leadership leaders to do, which is to really think about your, I always call it a leadership philosophy. What, what is it? How, how do you want to show up as a leader? What's your motto? What's your thing that's going to keep you going, keep you grounded and how you want to show up as a leader. And he, uh, in the scene with Trent, he shares that his leadership philosophy is my job is to help these young men be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. Yeah. And I love that he knows it. He can state it. You also see it in every bit of behavior that comes out of him. Like that is a core um, belief for him. Um, And I love how he said it. And, and it just fits so well with what I believe about servant leadership, that it's just another great gem. Yeah. And the, the fact that, you know, you're in a you know, Ted finds himself in a very competitive environment. He doesn't really understand the way that it is. You find out some things as we go through the, the season one, like when winning is really important <laughs> for, yeah. for lots of reasons. Um, I learned a new word relegation. That yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know enough know. about soccer. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know about that and how that all works. Um, yeah, we got to win. That's, that's, you know, that's what teams want to do, but his whole peace. And he even says this to Trent when he, I think when he's talking about his, his leadership philosophy, he says that success isn't about wins and losses. I think that's the preamble to what he says when he says his philosophy. And I think as you watch this episode and Ted has an opportunity to just show up time after time in every scene that he's in very authentically, that authenticity is very surprising and memorable to people like they don't, people just don't expect it. You know, I don't know if, if I think, you know, Lindsay Bacardo, um, here in Indy, um, if you follow her on Instagram, like she's a musician and she, like a lot of times she'll like sing her points. I've seen her speak a couple of times and she'll just like break out into, and it's not a song that's known. It's her song. And she'll just be like, and today we're going to talk about authenticity, you know, or something like that. She'll just, and like, that's, I've seen her do it so many times that like, that's just who, that's who she is. And it fits. And, and I'm proving my point that it's memorable because I'm telling you about it right now Yeah, that that's who she is. And it's just like, and, and I think so, so many of us, if we go back to that, what if about idea, so many of us are afraid, like, what if they laugh? Yeah. And yeah. I think my favorite response to that is, so what? If it's really who you are, who cares? They're not your people anyway. That's right. Yeah. I think it takes some some years and some wisdom to really be able to live that one. Like that, that's hard to do in the moment. It really is. Easy to let those fears get in the way. But the other thing I really love about this episode is <laughs> they really start introducing us to Roy's relationship with his niece, Phoebe, which she's a pretty prominent character in season two as well. I just love her. And I love that they're showing this behind the scenes. You know, this Roy is really this like rough and grumble, you know, growly character, but then he's just so 
authentically himself, but also truly loves this little six-year-old, whatever she is. She's probably five or six. And um, they show a great scene where he goes and he um, does a, uh, basically like a little workshop at her school and Ted goes with him and um, you can see Ted like file away in his head, mm-hmm. this relationship that Roy has with this niece. And, you know, it, it may not be natural for Roy to do what he did, but he'd do it for, for his niece, you know, that totally. That and I think he even says that. that he's like, I'm only yeah. doing this because my niece goes niece to school, school here. here. Yeah. Yeah. But it's authentic. It is really authentic for him to step outside his comfort zone for her, you know? And, and what I love, sweet. what I love, love, love about this is that they, they, they're like, let's do headers. Right. So, so Roy is, I think Roy starts out doing the headers, like throwing the balls to the kids so they can do headers. And then Ted comes along and he's like, I'll do it now. Like you go, you go do the thing, right? Like he gets really involved. And I, I remember speaking of authenticity, I remember, um, once the, the, um, the edict came down from on high that we were officially able to wear jeans on Friday at this place, which sounds so funny. Now. I know. So like it used to be a really big deal. You guys, yeah. for those of you who Jean aren't. Friday was a yeah. big deal. It was a big deal. And there was a leader in, and they had this big thing. Like, I don't know. There was some sort of like celebration, like there were snacks or something like down in the courtyard or downstairs. And and one of the leaders of like one of the executive leaders who never wore jeans, never wore jeans, came down with jeans on. And people were like, oh my gosh, that's the end, you know, cue the REM song. It's the end of the world as we know it. Right. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget, like this guy showed up for the thing. And then went back to his office and changed out of his jeans and put his shirt and put his suit back on. And it was just like, mm. it was a photo op. Yeah. Right? Like, and the other thing that I think, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but the perception that several people had, cause it was even called out was not only do you not support it. Yeah. You showed up, right. There's, there's, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is there's a difference between showing up and, and truly supporting and being involved. And that's what I saw with Ted and Roy in this episode is that they, I mean, they could have just shown up and like, you know, casually tossed a ball and talked about it and said afterward, you know, 15 minutes, we're out here. And the principal even says at the end of that scene, like that's the longest anybody's ever stayed. And with this leader, what, what one that they didn't really support it. And two, that they were probably silently judging everybody who did wear jeans. Yes. And so you felt uncomfortable. You didn't feel (laughs) the freedom, even though the policy was now there, you didn't feel like it wasn't safe to do it. Still, it wasn't safe. He wasn't able to provide that kind of psychological safety. Right. Which is a big deal, a a bigger deal than we give it credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, any other gems that stand out to you from this episode before we get to our guest? I just want to remind people to be brave in being their authentic self. And and I if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, gosh, I don't, I'm not, I'm just not there. And I've got so far to go. And because I have so far to go, I can't get started. I, you know, I'm a big proponent of what's one thing, what's one action step that you can take. It doesn't have to be a monster gigantic leap. It doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest. It doesn't have to be doing the big thing. It's what's What's one small thing? And I always encourage people, if you're choosing that small thing, what's one small thing you can do that you know that you will be successful at because that success will help you build momentum. So asking somebody for lunch 
that yeah. you've never asked. Just just one. You don't have to fill your calendar all week. Just ask one person to go to lunch or spend 15 minutes at the beginning of your next team meeting getting to know your people by asking a I love this question. What's uh, what's one thing I wouldn't know by looking at you? Mm, that's a great question. Super easy. Mm-hmm. I used to ask people what what's something you're good at, and people would always go, oh, "I'm not good at anything," which is BS. Yeah. <laughs> and when you ask people what they wouldn't know by looking at you, you normally tell people something you're good at. So it's a backhanded way of getting yes. at what they're good at. Yeah. And it's amazing. You'll learn things that you never would have known if you didn't ask the question. Yeah, love that so much. What about you? No, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we are in good shape here. I think we should leave it there and dig into this topic more with our guest. So we are super, super excited to have a good friend and just somebody who I think exudes and just oozes, I think that's a better word than exudes, authenticity from all that she does. And uh, want to welcome Shelly Brown to the podcast today. Shelly, thank you so much for joining us. And as we just get started and kick this off, tell our listeners who you are, what you do, what makes you come alive, those kinds of things. And then we'll dig into some authenticity stuff after that. Thanks. I'm so honored to be here, first of all. So thank you for that. I am downtown Shelly Brown. I am <laughs> I am an author. I'm an artist. I'm a mindfulness educator and I'm a speaker. And my jam is all about belonging. So I use a lot of foundations uh, from mindfulness to help amplify our own sense of belonging, which allows us to amplify the sense of belonging for others. That's so cool. And I love the fact that you just started out with downtown Shelly Brown. I just think that's that's so absolutely perfect. And Shelly and I uh, met during, well, just before the whole COVID thing happened through a, an, a movement, I guess, called Humans First. You can look up that movement on LinkedIn. It's still active. And we met live in the city that she's now living in, the Windy City of Chicago, although she wasn't living there at the time. And we have just gotten to be really good friends. And I was very excited to introduce her and Beth today. And I can already see that they're going to be fast friends. And that's exciting. And it's really cool that we're all three authors, which I think is pretty awesome. And Shelly, at the end of your uh, description, I feel like you should have just said hashtag badass because the things that you do, I'm just, I've been so inspired by you, especially especially through COVID because, you know, for, for somebody who does what Beth and I do, you know, we're out on our own. We're trying to figure out what's sticking in this world and how it's going to work. And like, I just feel like my word in 2021, I felt like Ross from that friends episode, just screaming pivot over and over and over and like pivot, 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 like every, and I think you, I mean, from somebody like me from the outside looking in, I think you mastered the pivot. So can you talk a little bit about that whole piece and what you pivoted to and and what you have been sharing with the world all through COVID? Because I think it's just absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And you know, it's funny, people use the word pivot, they use the word reinvent. I call it reconnect because mm. as we get closer to the essence of who we really are, we really tap into 
our truest selves and what really lights us up. And when we do that, it ends up serving other people. So before the pandemic, I was really focused on the hospitality industry and bringing my rock star mindfulness program to the hospitality industry using rock music. And then when the pandemic started, it was like, okay, there is no hospitality industry really meeting. And I was asked to talk about mindfulness for stress reduction. And that's not really my jam. My jam is being a badass of your awareness, because when you are in the driver's seat of your awareness, you get to bear witness to what your thoughts are. And you can decide like an Amazon shopping cart. Is this true? Do I need to delete this, save it for later, <laughs> put it in my cart and click the one click buy button and charge it to my husband. But <laughs> what a great analogy. Analogy and great yeah. finish for those of you listening that like to charge that to somebody else. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love right. It. So, you know, I got quiet and I put my compilation of stories together in a book called Weird Girl Adventures, which is really sort of the intersection of meltdowns to mindfulness and the ways that we try to fit in though with the wrong people in the wrong places doing some of the wrong things and the way we make our identity outside of ourselves because we are all weird and when we walk around in our stories and narratives we are perpetually a 12 year old dressed as adults and we carry those narratives and stories with us unless we begin to notice them and question them with curiosity and with kindness and, and say, you know, is this true and allow it to pass and see the impermanence of it all. So I wrote my book. I started doing art. It was always there. It just was something I needed to tap into. And I had the space to do that. And then I realized like so many people, my truest and highest value in this world is belonging. But I also think of it differently because I believe there's a belonging ecosystem. And the first part of that ecosystem is us belonging to ourselves. You can't feel like you belong unless you belong to yourself. Mm. No one else is going to give that to you. So yeah, I love that so much. I'm curious too, like that that connection between authenticity and belonging, like what's that mean to you? Where do you think the intersection is there? So when we kind of look at the world, like it's our identity clothing store, nothing's going to fit. And so when we are dressed as ourselves, that's really what fits us. And we're no longer wearing these outside outfits. You know, Jason talked about me running these marathons and it was all about accomplishments and accolades and look at me. And we use things outside of ourselves to self-identify. We all do it. Yeah. But when we really are the most authentic and aligned with our values and we can cultivate the self-awareness to say, how am I being not just with others, but with ourselves, that's, that's when we were the most dynamic. That's when we feel at home in ourselves. And that's when we draw people to us. Yeah. I love that. That's really feels super true to me. Yeah. yeah. Just spot I on. Totally agree. For you, as you think about your own journey of, of leaning into authenticity and really showing up as you fully in all parts of your life at work and your business at home, what was really helpful for you as you kind of stepped into that? 
what was really helpful was was studying mindfulness and then becoming a, a mindfulness educator because we don't often take the time to slow down to witness our thoughts. A lot of us, you know, whether it's a pandemic, no matter what kind of thing is going on, we have the stress response and it's automatic in our responses to things and our own thoughts. We believe our own thoughts. We walk around in narratives and stories. When we can sort of reset the parasympathetic nervous system, and that's totally a different conversation, (laughs) we have the opportunity to see our thoughts instead of just automatic automatically reacting to them. And so when we, so many of us, like I said, we walk around feeling inadequate or whatever the story we're telling ourselves, but when we explore it, we can see, oh, maybe this is from years ago and maybe it's really not true. And is this really true? And and can I make the space to show up anyway, even though I'm telling myself this story. So the biases and the judgments and the thoughts we have, when we can actually explore them, it doesn't mean they go away. It just means we can expand our awareness outside of just that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So Shelly, a question I have for you, because I know you're, you've been sharing for a while and you mentioned it, your art. I'm curious as, because I think you said, like, I didn't, maybe you kind of played with it before, but you didn't really do art before all this. Right. And so when you started, cause I'll speak for me, I hate being bad at something. I just don't, I just don't enjoy it. I, and part of it is I'm not giving myself the grace and the space to enjoy the process. And I know that it's my, it's my deal. I'm working on through it, but I just like, in fact, when I moved to Colorado, I made a conscious choice not to take up snowboarding because I was good at skiing and I didn't want to start over. So like, that's just, that's part of who I am. So, but you started this and just started sharing it with folks. And I'm curious, like before that first share, were there others that you were like, I want to share this, but I'm, I'm kind of scared or did you put it? So answer that first. And then secondly, when you did put it out, what were the responses that you got back and, and did any of that surprise you? (laughs) So first of all, I want to comment on what you said, you know, you didn't give yourself the grace. I think it's really about Mm self-compassion and compassion, not like, oh, it's my connection to the rest of humanity is what compassion is all about. And Mm -hmm. so having that compassion, like, oh, I'm new at this and hey, who cares? Well, you know, it, it just allows us to be in the human pool with the rest of the humans rather than separating ourselves. I'm supposed to be really good at it. It's the bullshit that I talk about. The space between <laughs> where it- I never get used to you saying that. I laugh every time you say it. it's so That's true. Awesome. And it's such a great phrase. Bullshit. It's the name of my next book. It's the space between where we are and where we think we should be that mm. causes should shame and suffering. So No one else is saying to you, Jason, you're not a good enough snowboarder or or whatever. You you know, no one is saying to me, oh, my God, she put that out there and it sucks. (laughs) It's our own bullshit that tells us 
somehow this is not good enough for me to put out there. And I never even thought about it. I never thought people are going to laugh at this. I didn't give a hoot. I did not care. I tried something and I, I was in the process of wherever it was. And I just, I figured if it gave me a moment of joy, at least it was going to give one other person some happy hormones for a second. And what was the response when you put it out? People loved it. They're like, oh, that's so cool. You know, when the pandemic first started, I was, I was making crazy videos and doing award shows with people on straws, you know, that now that you say that. Because I just want to give people joy and we're just humans. And if we just allow ourselves to tap in to our childhood sense of joy, fun and play, but we don't always give ourselves permission to do that. And I give myself permission to play all the time. That's so, it's so good. And I, and I think what you said is so important for those listening who are, you know, it's as a, as another friend of mine said, a friend of mine says that are shooting on themselves, right? Like I should be better and I should have this figured out and I should, you know, all those things. Um, I, I think about my moments of when I have just laid it out there. And usually those are like the posts or the videos that I don't overthink. I don't script it. I don't, I'm just like, this is a stream of consciousness. I put it out. And, and, and those are the things I don't, I don't even think about it. And I get, I get comments that are like, oh my gosh, I so need to hear this. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you. for. And I wasn't like, I'm going to be vulnerable in this post and watch me be. It's just, and to your point, I think it really is in those moments, me being in the true flow of who I am and my, and the true essence of who I am. And because that's, I feel like that's what I'm made to do. That's the thing, right. That, that brings me joy and then also speaks to other people. And I just, I wish we could get out of our own way (laughs) to just be who we were supposed to be. I think it's a process and it's a practice. It's a constant practice to notice what is getting in your way of doing that. And the other thing is, if you want others to be who they are, then we have to model that and we have to amplify that. And the only way we're going to amplify that is, and and I talk about this when I speak, it's, it's not a, it's not a procedure. It's not a manual. It's, it's a embodied felt experience Mm. to to be authentic. You know, there's no, there's no manual on it. It's, it's an embodied experience. And in order to help people and invite people to be their truest selves, we need to be able to offer our own humanity and vulnerability and our own empathy and our own compassion and, and our own truth. I can't think of a better way to put a yeah, point amen. on it. That's what I've that. got for that. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for joining us and tell the folks who are listening where they can find downtown Shelly Brown, if they need to find you and uh, out on the interwebs and all the socials. Yeah. Downtown Shelly Brown. I am at Shelly Brown official S H E L L E Y brownofficial.com. And I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram and 
you can reach me through my website. Fantastic. Shelly, thank you so much for being with us. And I hope, uh, I really hope that the, I'm, I'm so moved and inspired by who you are and your message. And I can't help but think that that's going to happen with folks who are listening. So if you were moved, if you were inspired, reach out to Shelly and let her know. And if you want somebody who is an absolute badass for your next uh, speaking uh, gig to come and do sell books and do a book signing, you need to get in touch with Shelly Brown. Shelly, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the Diamond Dogs Podcast or wherever you like to listen.